0: Uh, We're going to be digging in for these next couple of weeks, getting ready for Big Resurrection Sunday, finished Nehemiah last week, and and here we go. We're excited about what's coming our way. On the screen, you see a code there. If you want to follow along in the sermons, uh, just as a reminder, uh, if you go to the app, whether it's through that or the digital bulletin, however you do that, uh, if you'll go there and you scroll down and find Sermon Notes... Uh, someone reminded me, it's best, if you, you're gonna, when you click that, you'll have an option to view or download. And I think when you download it, it gets lost, I don't know. Uh, if, you're that, if you're smart and you figure that out, that's awesome. For the rest of us, just hit view and it'll show up and, and that's all you need. So if that's helpful to you, it's helpful to me as well. So preparing by praying. We're getting ready. We're going to build up now. And we're going to talk about prayer this morning. I was glad to see when I came down the hallway, our child check-in booth has a big prayer banner there that the kids apparently are, are learning something and they're writing stuff on there. So we're all in step here. Uh, preparing by praying. Let me be real clear. I'm going to ask all of you to join me for the next 21 days. I'm going to ask you to join me in praying for one of the biggest days in the church's year. And that day, of course, is not the day we move into our new property. That's coming. That's a few more than 21 days. That's big, but this is even bigger. It's not our anniversary. We always like to celebrate what God's done in the previous year. That's, that's nice, but that's not what we're talking about. You know what we're talking about. It's the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A very special day for our church family You've heard me say a thousand times, we worship Jesus every Sunday because of that one day. Because of that Sunday, we're here today. Uh, Just last week, as we finished Nehemiah, uh, we were reminded how important Sabbath was for the Jewish community. Uh, The importance of remembering that day, and Nehemiah called the people who who had, had come home after the exile... He called him to return to honoring the Sabbath day, which, of course, is Saturday, the seventh day, a day of rest. Um, Let me say, as followers of Jesus and what we call the church, uh, for us to honor the Lord on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, Resurrection Sunday, doesn't mean we throw Sabbath under the bus. It simply means that we are identified as the church which is distinct from, From the nation of Israel, the people of Israel in the Old Testament were given an opportunity to demonstrate faithfulness and obedience by observing specific things God gave them as a people to mark them different, to set them apart, to identify as God's people. One of those was the Sabbath. We as the church, we... uh, clearly need Sabbath. We need Sabbath rest. We need pause. I got on you last week about that, didn't I? We all need to say no to some things so we can rest. Um, but the worship of the Lord for the church is on the first day of the week. So Resurrection Sunday is a big deal to us. Um, I'm going to talk for the, this morning about a couple of things to get us ready for that in, in the area of prayer. Specifically, let me say the revival Of the resurrection. The fact that we have a resurrection Sunday is a revival for the church. The church here, the church around the world, goes through a spiritual revival, a time of renewal because of the resurrection. Because of what happened on that one day, we gather and there's something that happens for all of us. There's an awakening in us. Our spiritual life is renewed for many people. Three weeks from today, is Easter Sunday. You know I like to call it Resurrection Sunday, um, but clearly it's known by everyone outside of this room as Easter. So when you're inviting your friends, absolutely call it what they know. But we like to keep it clear and simple that that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead and everything changed. Uh, So we like to call it a resurrection celebration. And again, for that reason, we're here this Sunday and last Sunday and next Sunday. Uh, so we praise God for the power of the resurrection, what it has done for us. The revival is the fact that now we all have a focus. There's, a, there's an alignment. There's a coming back to terms. Uh, it serves as an annual revival for Christians, uh, and it can serve as a point of revival for us. And when I say revival, I mean an awakening, a stirring, a reminder, a coming back and saying, man, this is so important to me, my faith in Christ and who he is and what he's done for us. Uh, So we, along with other churches, brothers and sisters, gospel-centered churches throughout our community, we celebrate that. And we, we, without without apology, want to make a big deal of it. You heard Gabe mention Flag Bible Church will be hosting a special prayer night on the Sunday before Easter. I and a couple of other pastors will be a part of that and help lead that. And yes, as a church, we get to join with like-minded churches and celebrating and preparing for this very special day. So I hope you will join us for that. This special day is for Christians, people like me and you, people that know Christ, people we would say are kind of in the faith. They've had a conversion. They know Christ as Savior. Uh, that is a special day for us because we rejoice on what we have. We rejoice in our new identity, that what we have is new life because of that one day. But it's also a special day for what we call the occasional attender, right? We all say that with a grin, because we know there are many people that identify as followers of Christ that may only show up to church a couple times a year. But you know what? I'm good with that. I'm glad if they're going to show up a couple times a year, they'll come here. Amen? Amen. Big time amen on that? So. We serve no one by being judgmental and looking down at people that say, hey, I haven't seen you since last Easter. Don't ever say those words. You don't need to. You're not proving a point. Be gracious. Be welcoming. Have a sense of anticipation. So it's a great day for the, for the church. It's a great day for the occasional attender. But it's also, especially for me, I see it as a special day for the one who has been welcomed in. For the one who's been invited in. The guest, uh, the friend, the neighbor, the family member, the co-worker, uh, this onlooker, or one who just feels that sense of, I want to go, I want to be someplace where I think it's right. I know there's something tugging at me to go. Better said, this special Sunday is for the one whom God is calling to himself to believe in him for eternal life. Every Sunday, clearly, the doors are open. But let's not mistake, there's something about that special Sunday. So for that reason, I am asking you to join me for the next 21 days, each and every one of you, to set aside time, to have reminders, to pray for that day, for this occasion, Uh, not just the one-day event, but that it would be a special day, continue to be a special day each and every week for the church, uh, the occasional attender, and for that one who I sometimes refer to as the not-yet The person who isn't in this room yet. There are some of you that weren't in a room like this not long ago. God is bringing people to himself. So to learn to pray, I want us to sit at the feet of Jesus. I want us to look to Christ himself for a couple great examples on prayer Uh, you know the Lord's Prayer, right? Everyone, we know, we understand that term. If you've been in church world some time, the Lord's Prayer is often the one referred to in Matthew chapter 6. And again in Luke, when Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he specifically is giving them a prayer as a model on how to pray. I think you all are familiar with this in Matthew 6. Uh, chapter 6, verse 9, this prayer is not one that's intended only to be recited. This isn't just something you memorize and say when you're in a pickle or when you're in a bind or when you feel like, man, I'm in trouble or you're sensing, I want to impress God right now, so I'll recite the Lord's Prayer. Nothing wrong with reciting the Lord's Prayer, but it's given to us as a model He says, in this manner, in this way, here's a a format, you could use that word, and how to pray. So when you look at the Lord's Prayer, and we're not going to spend much time here, but I want to hit it because of the context we're dealing with, Jesus is saying, here's how you can pray. And he gives us the example. In this manner, verse 9, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed, Be your name. As you're reading along with me and you hear these familiar words, let me say this statement. The Lord's Prayer, often I think referred to as the Disciples' Prayer because Jesus is teaching the disciples how to talk to the Father because they don't know that yet. So the Disciples' Prayer here is one in which we are to recite or to say in our own words. That would be key. So it's not that we have to say, Our Father who art in heaven. You might say, Dear God, I know you're there. Father, I, I know you're in heaven. I'm so thankful you're there. God, I see you as holy. I see your name is hallowed. So it's a, it's a model in which we would then put into our words. Let's continue. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth As it is in heaven. So you can see how you would pray that in your own language. God, the things of heaven make it real here. God, as I live under your kingdom, help me to experience that even today, right where I am today. Your will be done. Lord, the things that you you desire, help me to walk in that path. So you're saying it in your own words. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I acknowledge all comes from you. You're the one that's given me a home and a family and and a job and you take care of me. God, thank you for, for providing even what's in front of me. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, there's temptation all around me. Matter of fact, Lord, let's just be honest. I feel like there's more temptation in my my view than maybe my parents would have had. It seems like the world's caving in. God, lead me not there and, and protect me from the evil one. Don't let me, like, make a couple stupid decisions and find myself in the weeds wondering what happened. God, keep me. Keep me pure with you. Because yours is the kingdom. It's all about you and the power and the glory forever. So that's a model prayer. Jesus says to his disciples and to the multitude, here's a way you talk to God and he kind of lays it out for us. So commonly called the Lord's Prayer, I like the term the disciples prayer because it's kind of teaching them a pattern to pray. So you can use that. You need to use that. It's a great exercise in learning to pray. Because of the resurrection, we can pray Um, what might better be called the Lord's Prayer, the prayer of Jesus. And for that, we're going to go to John 17, the reveal of the resurrection. So the revival of the resurrection is something's going to happen in a few weeks as Christians all around the world pause and realign themselves. And many of you in this room, this is a special day for us just because of what it is. Your walk with God is healthy. Your joy for the Lord is overflowing. But there's something about a day when we acknowledge because of this one day, we can can worship Christ every, every Sunday. But now we can also be praying, not just like he did in Matthew 6, but in John 17. The reveal of the resurrection is this. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the revelation of that, what's been revealed is you and I today in this moment have direct access to God. You don't have to pray through a priest. You don't need to come to me. You don't have to pray to, towards someone else. You don't, you, you, we get to go to God. And that's a revelation because of the resurrection that Jesus rose from the dead. The power of that moment, now the people who would have faith in him, and we're going to see that in just a moment, have access to him. Everything's different now. Resurrection really did change everything. And so for that, we rejoice and praise him. So just like Jesus taught in Matthew, and now he's going to give us an example in 17, we are invited to step into this and say, God, I I want to know you. I want to pray. I want you to to hear my heart. Um, So we're going to look at this actual prayer that that John has recorded for us in chapter 17. It's commonly referred to as the high priestly prayer. This is a time when Jesus, on our behalf, that would be the priestly part, on our behalf goes to the Father, and he's praying for himself, he's praying for the apostles, and yes, he's praying for future believers, which is us. In John 17, look at verse number one. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. One of the words we like to use here a lot is the word context, right? When you're reading a passage, know what's going on. Don't just like, assume. And so for that reason, to be faithful to the word, uh, let me pick up on verse 1 when he says, when Jesus had spoken these words, right? So you know what we're going to do. We're going to back up a few verses at the end of John 16. This is cool. This isn't going to be on the screen, but if you have your Bible open there, follow along. As John 16 ends, Jesus is with his disciples for what we call the Last Supper. They've had what we call communion or remembering the meal uh, where he foretold of what was about to happen. And he's been talking now for three or four chapters, giving instruction and encouragement. And then we get to the end of 16, verse number 25, if you're following along, he says, I have said these things. Jesus is doing all the talking. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming. When I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. So you know these guys are sitting on the edge of their chairs like, finally, what? And they're trying, they want to understand. But look at verse 26. In that day you will ask in my name... And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me, you have believed that I came from God, I came from the Father, and have come into the world. And now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. So he's saying, there's going to come a time when I'm not right here for you to talk to God. The Father knows you, the Father loves you. Because you have believed the things I've told you, you have this really cool access Verse 29, his disciples said, and if you didn't know this is in the Bible, it's kind of a cool verse. His disciples say in verse 29, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figures of speech. They're a sharp group, by the way. Uh, Jesus had just said, I'm not going to give you figures of speech. I'm going to tell you plainly. Ah, so now you're not using, so they're pretty sharp. But I love the ah part. Like, who says ah to Jesus? Ah, so Jesus. So um, you're no longer doing this. Verse 30, now we know, everybody say no. So that's a deep-seated knowledge. That's not like, hey, I think I'm starting to put it to pieces together. Now I'm convinced. Now I get it. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus then answered them, do you now believe Check out verse 32. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. Say those three words. It. It So, guess what's going down? It's all going down. You've heard me talk about what's coming. I'm saying to you now, it's come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone, for I am not yet alone, for the Father is with me. Guys, it's coming. You, You don't even know how soon it's coming. By the way, this would be within just a few hours, not days, a few hours when the disciples will be scattered. They will run. They will run for cover. Jesus says, I won't be alone, by the way, when you all forsake me in just a little bit, because I and the Father are one. The Father is with me. Verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. There is amazing amount of comfort given to us in John sixteen thirty three. I like to say to me, the scripture uh, uh, it just it just it just leaks grace on every page. Every, everywhere you go, you just, you just, God's grace, God's kindness, God reaching out, God not for, not forgetting me, God not forsaking me, God remembering me, God having a purpose for me. And here he says, in just a little bit, uh, y- y'all are going to be scattered. Now you would think he would like be coming down on this. I told you not to do that. You shouldn't do that. Cause by the way, you shouldn't do that. But he doesn't do that. He says, in a little while, you're all going to scatter. I won't be alone. I'm, I'm one with the Father. I love this. He says, I've said this so that you would have what? Peace. This isn't about guilt and shame. and I don't want you to feel bad about forsaking and running a little bit. He's like, I'm telling you this now because I want you to experience something that's going to blow your mind, and that is peace. The world you will have, like in moments, you will have tribulation. Maybe we don't talk a lot about that here, but I'm guessing right now there's a handful of you that are going through some tribulation. There's probably some stuff in your life that you just as soon fix or change or rewrite. Am I right? Absolutely. There's tribulation. There's trouble. There's concerns. There's things that don't always add up like I thought they would. God says to us, things are going to get rough. There will be tribulation. Paul warned us several times, you will suffer. Jesus trumps that by saying, but I will give you peace. I got I got you. That's the context, by the way, aren't you glad we did that? That's the context in which he now says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven. So he had just delivered that good. They're right there. It's like they're having a little prayer time. We got about a dozen people here in the front, be like, Jesus is with you guys and we're talking. And then all of a sudden he, he breaks into prayer. He lifts his eyes and looks to the heavens and says, so Father... This is the priestly prayer that I want to help you and I understand. This is motivation for us in our prayer, especially for such an hour as this. Notice in these first five verses, Jesus prayed for himself. He prelifts lifts his eyes to heaven. He speaks these words. Of, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. I would love to like go into every word of this. We've taught this in the past, but I want to keep moving because I want to get through it all. But he's simply saying, God, it's time. And I'm soon going to be with you. So I know you'll be with me as we're going to endure these next several hours. Father, glorify the son Uh, that the Son may glorify you. Since you, talking to the Father, since you have given him, speaking of himself, authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given, and this is eternal life, that they know you, that only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus is saying these words to the Father in front of the disciples at the Last Supper. God, that they would know you. The love of the Father, that you sent Jesus Christ. He's, he's identifying himself. Super clear. No, no room for, for fuzziness here. The one that you have sent. I glorified you on earth, meaning these last 33 years, these last three years especially. I've done my work, Lord. God, I've done what you've called me to do, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, everything's going to change. Like, dim the lights. This gets really different right now. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I can't can't dig deep enough to to help that resonate with you. Jesus, eternally with the Father. Whatever that looked like. Whatever eternity looks like. And that was interrupted for 33 years. Jesus left the presence of the Father. That's all he's ever known. That's eternity. He left that, and now Jesus comes to us. And he does his thing. He he does the work. And now he's at that very last part where the climax is going to get big time with the crucifixion and soon resurrection. And he says to his disciples, he says to God in this prayer, God, I'm getting ready to come home. Glorify. Lift up. As I get ready to come home. I hope you sense the power of this. Jesus Christ's heart, he prayed for himself. Not because, well, I'm afraid I'm going to blow it. Not because, you know, what. If maybe another idea will come. We do know in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was a real sense of, Father, this cup is heavy. This cup is bitter. Lord, is, is there any other way? He prayed for himself. You guys remember, uh, we won't spend time here, but do you remember the prayer of Jabez? This this character in First Chronicles chapter 4, you would never know it's there unless you're like reading and really paying attention. It's in one of those lists of a bunch of names, and then all of a sudden, uh, the writer says, and there's this guy named Jabez who was faithful to God, and he prayed for himself. He prayed that God would enlarge his scope, his ministry, his platform, that God would bless the way before him. A couple smart people made a lot of money writing a book about that to wake the rest of us up. Like, oh, there's a prayer in there where a guy prayed for himself. It is good to pray for yourself. You need to pray for yourself. You need to say, God, help me today. God, I want to be faithful to you. David said in in, in Psalm 27, Lord, I long to be in your presence all the time. Later in that same Psalm, David says, Lord, you you called me to to come to you, to seek you. Father, I am seeking you. We need to pray for ourselves and our walk with God and and our passion for the things that he's passionate and purposeful about. So pray for ourselves. In Acts chapter 20, Paul met with the Ephesian elders. And as he met with the Ephesian elders, I think we get a clue on a correct posture of praying for yourself. Don't be praying to God with a bunch of cockiness, all right? That doesn't work. Don't come before God with a, with a boatload of pride and say, God, I'm really doing pretty good, but if you want to bless my day, I'm down with that. Don't start with a cocky attitude with God. It doesn't usually fly. What you want to do is have a, a, a posture of humility. Paul, when he gathered the, the elders together there on the beach in Miletus, he said in verse 24, I do not count, count my life of any value Nor is precious to myself. He's not degrading himself, he's just keeping it real. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He's simply saying with his elders as they're praying God, we're not done. And I don't know what you've done with my life, but I just want to be a part of where you're headed. I want to finish this course that I received from the Lord to testify of this gospel of grace till the day I die, which, by the way, is exactly what happened. Skip down to verse 35 of Acts 20. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, talking to the elders, we must help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. You see the posture of humility. Humility. Paul humble before the Lord and before these men, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him. Jesus knew that he would be glorified soon enough, but he also knew the path from that prayer time there in that upper room, having just finished this meal, until resurrection day. He had some sense of what this was going to be. So his prayer was that the work would glorify God. You need to pray for yourselves, everybody. You need to pray for yourself. Pray for your day. Pray for your witness. Pray for your walk. Pray for your soul. We see in verse 6, secondly, Jesus prayed for the believers. In the context here, he's praying for the apostles, that group that's in the room with him. He's like got them in mind as he prays from verse 6 on. He prayed for them, this band of followers. They had walked with him. They, they'd, they'd seen him. They'd rejoiced with him. They'd, they'd felt some of the stuff he was feeling. And there was weeping. There were times of laughter. They did life with him for the last three years. There's many in this room. You've done life with Jesus for some time. You know God. You have, a, you have a vibrant walk with Jesus. You're the apostle in this context. You're the guy that knows you've been watching Jesus. And now Jesus prays for the, for the apostles, for the believers. Our church is filled with many of you that have walked with God. Maybe some for three years or less, like them. Perhaps many that have many more years. So here his prayer is a prayer for you, the team, the people that know Christ and know God. He prayed because they now knew God and that Jesus was from God. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people. He's praying. I've manifested your name to the people whom you've given me out of the world. The guys right here in this room. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. They just testified of that at the end of chapter 16. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. That's awesome. Can you imagine being in the room and Jesus, Jesus says, and God, I'm praying. I'm praying for you. And he looks, looks, you know, I don't know if he opened his eyes during prayer. I think you're allowed to do that. Wouldn't that be cool if he was like watching them and the eyeballs and he said, I'm praying for them to make an eye contact with the 11 that were left. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. It's this moment. He's like this. I'm not concerning the other stuff. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you, who, whom you have given me, for they are yours. So he prayed because they now knew God. These guys, they know you, God. They're, they're, they get it. Their lives are being changed. So God, I'm praying for them. Notice he acknowledges that these were followers of God. In the Hebrew sense of Torah and faithfulness, and now they receive Jesus for being Jesus. So they were God. They were, they were, they were following God, but now Jesus has shown up and called them to follow him, and they've done it, and they've had some bumps along the way, but now they're testifying that they know who he is. He prayed because the apostles, this group of believers, they glorified Jesus. And they would now be the ones in the world. They now carry the mission. Look at verse 10. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and, I've glorified, and I'm glorified in them. So, so, God, we got a team here. I came by myself, but here we are. This thing is happening. They're yours. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name. Hold on to them tight, guard them, which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one. So he's praying for them. You've given me these people. Grace community, there's no mistake that you're in this room, that you're a part of this particular fellowship. There's healthy churches all around the world filled with people like you that God has given to Christ. Jesus died in your place. You have at some point trusted that, believed in that, have been changed by that, and now God is with you. His spirit indwells you. Jesus knows that. That's comforting. You don't have to work to hold that status. You don't have to prove anything by doing a bunch of stuff so you can stay on the team. He did the work. God has secured that. Jesus knows that. But by the way, don't miss this in verse in verse 12. It's good to be honest in prayer and Jesus is honest in this prayer. Look at verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me. Lord, we've we've stayed together. They've they've stayed the, stayed the course. I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost except Isn't that funny? Like Jesus being honest with the Father. There's an exception. Lord, the team, the gang, we started it and we're finishing it. We've guarded, they've kept, they've kept true, except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. Wouldn't this be a better story if there was no Judas? Wouldn't the gospel be more a little, little easier to swallow and tell if there wasn't like a Judas? A guy in the room for the whole time. This whole three-year thing, everything the other guy saw, he saw. Every time Jesus spoke, he heard it. But to fulfill scripture, there was a son of destruction who denied, walked away, probably never having truly known Christ. Jesus kept them. He guarded them. I love this. Jesus prays for us. He knows you. He's keeping you. He's guarding you. I don't know if when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to see the tape of all the things that could have gone wrong. But God knows you. He's protected you. He's kept you right where you are. You're here. God loves you so much. I love this verse 14. He prayed for them with a pastoral heart. Listen to the heart of Jesus. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I'm not of the world. Let me say that again. Verse 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. You ever been hated by the world? You ever feel like you're swimming upstream because of the world, whatever that is? Um, We're supposed to be different because Jesus was. Jesus didn't get along. He didn't play along to get along. He didn't just like blend in and say, well, the best witness I can have is just to pretend I'm like you guys. He, he was never in the world he, or of it. He, he came to the world. He tells the Father in the prayer, the verses before, Lord, I finished my work. All the, all the teaching's done. All this is done. And he knows from that very moment on, from that moment, he heads to the excuse me, the Garden of Gethsemane when it all breaks loose. Nothing will ever be the same. He knew that. Lord, this team, this, this, my fellow believers, they're not of the world either. Matter of fact, the world hates them. I, 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 th- I don't want to throw a bunch of guilt on a bunch of people, but if the world doesn't hate you, me, if the world doesn't hate me, um, Jesus prayed for them with a pastoral heart. By the way, Paul also and Peter uh, man, Paul said in Second Thessalonians 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. There's an evil one. You know what the evil one's job is? Not just to keep bad people away from God, but to mess you up, to take you out, to remove you from the, the list of people that God has guarded. That's, that's the enemy's number one thing is to deceive and to seek, to destroy, and to kill Peter said it this way, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Jesus prayed, as we saw in the the disciples' prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Evil is a real thing. Uh, We need to be protected, guarded. Jesus prayed a prayer of consecration for the believers. Verse 16, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And then he says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So now we have this consecration, this setting aside. And, God, and Jesus says to the Father, the, the world doesn't like them. The world hates them. And it's going to be a tough go. And he knew. It was going to be a tough go. These guys would die as martyrs, every single one of them, over the next few years. John would be the last, the one that lasts the longest for another 40 years when he finished writing Revelation. They were all going to die and suffer. Jesus says they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. So therefore, and I love this, verse 17, sanctify them, set them apart. God, we don't want to leave this team hanging. Let's not leave the believers wondering and and floundering. Instead, uh, Father in heaven, take your word and set them apart. Sanctify them. That's what the word sanctify means, to be set apart. Set apart from evil, set apart to God. Set apart, say it with me, from evil, set apart to God. Lord, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me, so I am sending them. Let's pause here just for a moment. He prayed that for his followers, and they were right there. Check that out. They're listening to Jesus pray that on their behalf. Perhaps, sometimes, we forget that Jesus is rooting for us. That Jesus is pulling for you that Jesus is with the Father. The Romans tells us the Holy Spirit goes to the Father on our behalf and pleads the words that we can't even say. They're cheering you on. They're rooting for you. Sanctify them, Lord. Set them apart. Man, they've got a mission, God. Here we are. This is what? This is, we're in March. March something. March 2022. In this moment, Jesus is with the Father saying, I got my team down here, and they're on mission. Sanctify them. Thirdly, Jesus prayed for the not-yets. And by the way, don't use that term. That's my term, all right? We use it in here. Don't call your neighbor, hey, I see you're a not-yet. Hmm. <laughs> you lost pagan soul. Uh, probably not secret friendly there, um, but the not-yets. Instead of seeing people as lost, instead of seeing people as, man, they're so far from God, just see, start seeing people as the not-yets. Does that make sense? Nod somebody? Yeah, it's like, yeah, they're not, they're not quite there yet. I think God is going to reach them. I hope God reaches them. I I pray that God saves them. The not yet. The future believers. And by the way, who are the future believers at that time? If you're a believer in Jesus, raise your hand. Absolutely. He's praying for you. We sang that amazing song. I love that song, Travis, that you did. When we get to heaven and we're going to stand with those, what was the line? The heroes of our faith, something like that. All those people Jesus prayed for. Spurgeon, Luther, Zwingli, guys, we don't even know their names, all of church history. Jesus prayed for them, and he prayed for you when he says, I do not ask for these only, verse 20, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, the not yets. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, and they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He prayed for the unity of the not-yets, so that the message would keep going forth, that all the world would know who we are because of how they're loving each other. That's exactly what he prayed, for the not-yets, the future believers, which we get 2,000 years of church history for a long list, we're on that list. And you know my passion and our passion, there's a whole lot more people on that list. If that list was done, then Jesus would be here and we'd be in the the kingdom. But he's not done yet. And so there's still the not-yets that are coming to Christ. He prayed for their unity. He prayed that there would be oneness among them. We don't stand alone. You may have times in your week when you feel like you're the only Christian in your view. How come my friends don't know Jesus? How come my friends don't honor God? Maybe you might feel alone. You're never alone. That's what the beauty of the church is. Look around the room right now. All of you, look around the room. Just got to move your necks. Do it. Look around the room. Do you see how full this room is? It wasn't that full when you got here, but it's full. You're not here by yourself. There's a lot of people honoring Jesus with our lives and saying, "God, you matter. I want to live on mission for you. I'm not alone." He prayed for their unity. O righteous Father, 25, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I've made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. Say that with me. I will continue to make it known. He wasn't done. That the love with which you have loved may be in them and I in them. I will continue to make it known. Jesus is still doing that work. Aren't you glad? If when you came to faith in Christ, he was done, right? I guess i just go to heaven, right? I've said that before. Someone comes to faith in Jesus, and then they die and go to heaven. That'd be a hard way to evangelize. Come to Jesus, and you'll see him this afternoon. He doesn't do that. You come to Jesus, and then he leaves you here to love the people seated near you, to be kind to the person over the fence, to be a witness for the person in your office, to be someone who's positive in a worldly, negative, hard world, not because you're all Mr. Optimistic, but because you live for the kingdom of God. So Jesus prayed for them yet to be saved, that they would have unity, that they would have purpose. Let me wrap it up with this. Will you join me in praying for the next 21 days for Easter Sunday? That's kind of like the simplest message I've ever preached. Let's, let's do that. Not just, listen, churches get excited. We think, wow, let's fill the room and we're going to feel good about ourselves. Please don't think like that. This isn't about crowds. This is about those people that need that spiritual revival. You and I as the church, pray for each other. Pray for yourself. Pray for your church. Pray for people in this room. Pray that God would do a great work in our lives as we are rekindled to the joy of what the resurrection means. And then pray for the lost and the hurting to find peace in God's grace. Why not? We do this every Sunday. And yet we have this one day where we we remember that one day. So let's gather and say, God, we're we're asking you to, to, to bring people to know you. We're asking for the for that occasional tender to feel welcomed and, and maybe maybe they'll come just another couple of weeks or something. We're not the judge. God do your work because of this passion of the mission that Jesus prayed for our behalf. He prayed for you. Now it's our turn to pray for others. Let me do that now for us. Father, we're grateful that you have changed us. We're thankful for the grace of of God that's given us a new identity, a new purpose. Lord, I know anytime I speak in this room or any place, there's people watching online or perhaps with us right now that they're not yet your follower. They have yet to say, yes, Lord, I believe who you are and what you did for me. So God, I certainly don't want them to feel uncomfortable, but our heart's desire is that they would hear this message of grace and this message of of Jesus, the Son of God, that you came, and the life you lived and all that the work you did culminated in the, in the moments to follow the passage we just read. And to hear the heart of Jesus pray. He prayed for himself, he prayed for his own. And then he prayed for the lost. He prayed for people to find their way and to see, to see the great thing that was about to take place as a turning point for their life. Father, It doesn't escape us that the most powerful day in the calendar is Resurrection Sunday because it was three days after the costliest day in the universe when Jesus, the Son of God, fully God yet fully man, died for me. And so, God, our desire is that everyone would know that message and hear that truth and and put their faith and trust in you. So would you allow us as your people to be mindful these next 21 days? And and obviously, God, you, you know our heart is every Sunday is a great celebration. But as we take time to honor this one day that remembers that one day, may we be mindful of your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you.